Coming up, part two of our look at China and their responsibility for not just the COVID virus, but for espionage across the entire spectrum. We're talking about that today. This is the Hot Zone. Engaging with the news in a whole new way, international war correspondent Chuck Holton brings insight into areas of crisis and lets you help those affected. Hey folks, thanks for watching. This is part two of a two-part series with an interview from General Robert Spaulding, Air Force General and expert on China. He lived in China for a long time. He wrote a book about the war against America that China is waging. They got smart. They realized that instead of sending armies to invade the United States like a, a Pearl Harbor, they were able to, to pretty much sort of insidiously attack America from every way. They attacked America in, in cyberspace. They attack America in our industrial space. They attack America in our medical space. They attack America by weaponizing the COVID virus. They're doing everything they can to subsume America, to take over and to really take over the world. And this is our chance to make a difference, to reboot our relationship with China because of what happened with this COVID virus. And China's running scared. Let's hear a little bit more about this issue, not just from General Robert Spaulding, but a little bit more about some of the insidious ways that China is taking over by the cyber realm. Check this out. TikTok was the most downloaded app of 2019 more than any other app in the country. More teenagers are on TikTok now than use Facebook. It counts millions and millions and millions of Americans as users, but it is owned by a Chinese company that includes Chinese Communist Party members in leadership, and it is required under Chinese law to share user data with Beijing. And TikTok has admitted that it has sent user data to China. To put it bluntly, this is a major security risks, risk for the American people. And what kind of data is TikTok collecting as it runs on our phones? A heck of a lot more than you would think. Images, of course, that users post. But TikTok also collects information about the messages that you send, about the apps that you use, the other apps on your phone. It collects the sites that you visit. It collects your search history. It collects your keystrokes. It collects your location data. It stores all of this and maybe lots, lots more. And I can tell you, as the father of two small children uh, who already have many of their friends on social media, even though they're quite young, I find this absolutely horrifying, and we know that it's a national security risk. Since our last hearing on this subject, the Pentagon, the Department of State, the Department of Homeland Security, and the TSA have all banned their employees and service members from using TikTok on government devices. In fact, the Pentagon even went so far as to say that employees should have their children uninstall TikTok from their personal devices. That's pretty extraordinary. But actually, it's only prudent. And that's why today I'm announcing I will introduce legislation to ban the use of TikTok by all federal employees on all federal government devices. This is a necessary step to protect the security of the United States and the data security of every American. It, it seems to me like 
we, we talked about this before that uh, China's national motto, not the Chinese people, but the Chinese governments, their, their national motto could easily be, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And if you get caught, you're not trying hard enough. Uh, would you agree with that? that that's, that's, pretty, um, that's, that's pretty much the truth. And, and they're, not, they're not shy about it. I mean, it's just, um, it, is, it is how they um, plan to you know, fulfill what they call uh, the China dream, which is to restore China to um, the lead position in the world. Unfortunately, what that means for the world, you know, rather than having a democratic society that are that's trying to promote those principles um, in international institutions, you're going to have a, a totalitarian regime that is promoting its own interests uh, in that in that international order. And we saw that with the World Health Organization, essentially aiding and abetting the uh, the Chinese government as it um, created a global pandemic with with uh, the coronavirus. Right. So let's talk about that for a second. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, talk, a lot of conspiracy theories and, and otherwise about that China intentionally created this virus in order to uh, infect the entire world. Uh, what, what's the truth of that, that story? Well, so the truth is that Xi Jinping himself said that he had control of the situation in Wuhan uh, on 7 January. Um, then they had New Year's, and when they finally decided to lock down Wuhan on the 22nd or 23rd of January, the mayor of Wuhan had already um, ensured that 5 million people had left. So uh, he, uh, back in December, uh, the Chinese Communist Party knew there was human-to-human -human transmission. So December, they know there's human-to-human -human transmission. She takes over on 7 January. Um, somewhere around the middle of January, all of these people leave. Um, so first of all, they come to Wuhan for the celebration, then they leave Wuhan after many of them became infected to go to the four corners of the earth to spread the disease. So um, based on what Xi Jinping is saying about his control over the situation, he had full knowledge and essentially um, authorized the, uh, the spread of the disease. My sense is it's probably most likely because, you know, they saw that they were going to have to deal with it and it's going to affect their own economy. And they didn't want to have the only economy that was affected by it because that would mean that they would unnecessarily um, decline uh, compared to everybody else. By the way, they uh, sent a trade delegation about the same time that these people were, um, were moving around um, from Wuhan and, uh, and that trade delegation signed uh, the phase one of the trade deal with a force majeure um, clause in it that said if we had anything like a pandemic that they wouldn't have to abide by, um, by the phase one trade deal. So a lot of things that they knew, Xi Jinping himself was, um, was in control on the 7th of January, on the 15th of January is when that trade delegation came to the United States. Around the same time, those people were leaving Wuhan. So this is this was entirely orchestrated um, by Xi Jinping at the highest levels because they're a centrally controlled system. So um, based on his own words, they started the global pandemic. Now, what their motivations were for doing that, we are not going to know. 
it's it's well, so we don't we we could say probably whether or not they intentionally created the virus i tend to think that they didn't intentionally create it but they did there's a lot of evidence that they intentionally weaponized the virus in order to as you said make sure that they weren't the only economy that took a hit and indeed while the rest of the world is still locked down wuhan is now back open so right. uh, it it almost put them on the front end of it and, it, and by the way they were also locking down um personal protective equipment, masks, all over the world um, through their proxies to ensure that they could then profit on the, the, the lack of supply. So they, they basically set up global price gouging to take advantage of the, 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 pan, the spreading pandemic economically. Well, and did, was it you that told me that they also uh, limited travel within China at the same time, they were in, enabling people to travel right. all over the globe. Yes. That's true. So, I mean, that's pretty damning evidence there. And what do you think would be the correct response from the United States? Well, you know, I think um, in, in the Congress, they're looking at, you know, forcing reparations. Um, I think we should pursue those reparations, and if they're not willing to pay reparations for the you know trillions in economic damage that the United States and other countries have suffered, then you know we have an accelerated decoupling, and not a, just a decoupling between the U.S. and China, but really a, a decoupling of the free world from China. So removing our supply chains, you know, preventing them from having access to our technology, preventing them from having the potential to spread another global pandemic in, in our societies by restricting travel, right? So they are not, they are clearly, this, this isn't the first time. SARS, and, and I lived in Shanghai uh, during the SARS outbreak, and the result or the, um, the, what the government did is essentially no different than in the case of the coronavirus. And so we have uh, demonstrable evidence that they are um, they are unfit to be part of the international order because they knowingly um, essentially spread a global pandemic and you know essentially influence the World Health Organization to aid and abet them. So we've got big problems. We knew we had big problems. I think what what the coronavirus uh, gives us an opportunity to do is really re really reset and isolate uh, democracies from these authoritarian or totalitarian regimes that seek to undermine democracy, undermine free trade, undermine rule of law, undermine human rights and civil liberties, really undermine the entire fabric of the international order um, by essentially feigning agreement with the order, but working wholeheartedly behind the scenes uh, in every instance and around the world to undermine it. Well, I think this is the opportunity we have to, to do that. I mean, we need to take this, uh, the opportunity provided by this, this event, this global event, this absolutely historic event in, in our lifetimes and kind of force that reset. So last question for you. Uh, this book came out uh, just recently, but um, you obviously wrote it before this pandemic happened. What made you want to write this book? Well, you know, I, um, I was, um, the Air Force wanted me to continue on in my career, and, but I really felt that it was imperative that I get out the message um, 
of everything I had learned during the last five years of my service because I had just come to the conclusion that um, uh, our world was sliding so quickly into authoritarianism and it was it was being led by China, the Chinese Communist Party. And, and as a government official, you can't really reveal everything that you work on and, and everything that you learn. And it's really not until you can um, be outside of government, you can begin to talk about the things um, that, were, that, that were going on that we were working on in the Pentagon. Um, of course, you know, this, the knowledge of this is spreading throughout the federal government, but what I wanted to do was let the people of America know, but also let the people around the world know so that they can see that these things are going on in their own countries as well. And if they really uh, uh, love democracy and, and, and freedom, free trade and, and human rights and civil liberties, then they're gonna have to awake from their slumber and, and really take back control of their own societies. And then maybe uh, collectively as democracies, we can begin to take back control of international institutions. And rather than having the UN um, uh, Human Rights Commission be full of you know countries like Venezuela and China, that maybe democracies will will start to get back in there and reassert some kind of um, you know more positive principled approach to, towards uh, international diplomacy. Well, General Spalding, thank you very much for your time. That's just fascinating uh, information, and I really appreciate you you sharing it with us. Uh, good luck with your book, and uh, where can people pick it up? Uh, they should go to generalspalding.com. Uh, they can uh, find audio versions, uh, uh, e-versions, and um, of course, a hard hardback copy. All right. Look forward to finishing it myself. Thanks again for coming on with us. Folks, that's all we've got for today. We'll have some bonus content on the Patreon page as well. If you want to go there, that's patreon.com slash hotzone. We'll see you again next week. I'm Chuck Holton. Thanks for watching. The Hot Zone is produced by Amy Holton and Live Fire Media. Copyright 2019.